0: People ask me, well, if I feel flat, what if I just rest? Sometimes rest helps, but often not as much as you think. Rest will take away some of the other things around flatness. But what we really need is to remind your body how to kind of respond because it gets us back in our muscles, back in that reactive, responsive. So we increase that muscle tension. So we get out of that kind of flatness space. Welcome to the Growth Equation Podcast. I'm Steve Magnus, and this week I am solo without my partner and crime, Brad Stolberg, because we're gonna talk about a guide to recovery. In this case, we're gonna talk about recovery from athletics or sport or exercising, but it also applies to a degree to life in general. So I'm gonna walk you through the science, the psychology, the experience of high-level performers on how to recover is a little bit different than we think normally about it. We're going to include a lot more nuance um, and give you an outline on how to do so. Before we get to do that, just a reminder, if you haven't yet ordered Brad's new book, Master of Change, I don't know what you're doing. Get on board. It is literally a game-changer one of the best books that I've read. I'm not just saying that because he's my partner in crime on this podcast and on our newsletter, but it it delivers so much. If you're going through change, if you are having some struggles, if you're transitioning in life, maybe from the end of your sporting career into work life or vice versa, um, this is this is the book for you. We we all change. Brad updates the science and psychology and gives us a new lens for how to look at it. So with that, check it out. Also, if you pre-order, you get all sorts of bonuses. So that's about to go away. So get on it while you can. With that, let's get into a guide to recovery. So here's how I like to think about recovery. It's Generally, I say, oh, we've got to recover from training, blah, blah, blah. Um, or exercise, that means we go eat some food, you know, sleep and and call it a day. Or you may maybe roll out with a foam roller or get a massage. But it's very kind of uh, just throwing everything at the wall, right? And we dump all sorts of recovery into the same thing or same idea. What I want to do is break down the four types of recovery and give specific instances or tools to recover from each. So this is a program that I developed, gosh, 10, 15 years ago for my athletes to help them kind of guide, okay, what do I do if I feel a certain way? So let's dive into the four styles or four types. First off, we can, there's overlap between these, okay? And that's okay. If there's overlap, choose multiple things from each category. It's not like you only have one or the other. The other way we can kind of start with, is it primarily muscular or fatigue-wise? More mental, psychological, experiential, we'll call it. And that's the first delineator. And if we go down the more muscular side, then there's two types, the first two categories. First is soreness. So do you feel your muscles feel tender to the touch? Are they sore? Do they feel a little bit painful? You know, we all know what soreness feels like. It often occurs when we've done too much too soon or added in something new to the mix. You haven't lifted weights for a while, you lift some weights. You haven't sprinted for a while, you sprint. And the next day or two, two days after, you get kind of sore, okay? That's type number one, when it's primarily muscular. The other type is what I call flatness. So this isn't necessarily I I feel sore, but flatness is when we don't feel responsive or react, we feel flat. So we go for a run, we do a couple strides and it's like we sink into the ground, right? There's no reactivity off of it. There's no responsiveness. We don't have that spring in our step, that bounce. We just kind of, ugh, right? And in running terms, I like to call this feeling pop. When we feel pop, we're really reactive, responsive. When we don't feel pop, we're flat. Okay. This is category number two in the muscular. The third category, when we go over into that fatigue side, so less muscular, more overall fatigue, is what I'd call stress or mental fatigue. It's this stress is this general feeling of feeling frazzled, overwhelmed, maybe even anxious. It feels like you're your nervous system is kind of like overdrive. You can't calm down. You can't turn it off. Those thoughts on like what ifs, what if this happens, what about this, they just linger. You catastrophize, you ruminate, you feel that low level anxiety that just won't let go. Okay, that's the third type of fatigue, our third type of recovery, what we're recovering from. And the fourth type is what I call lethargic. You just have this staleness, this malaise, this feeling of general fatigue and tiredness that persists and persists and won't come back, right? Won't go away. The way I like to think of it is this. If we get on this, generally when we look at exercise, you apply a stimulus, you get a little bit tired, you feel a little bit of that, that, that kind of staleness, maybe even malaise, maybe even a little fatigue, but then you come out of it after a day or two, right? Or three depending on it. You come out of it. Lethargic means you stay in that rut. You kind of ride that plateau of tiredness that persists. It's that low energy and poor general feeling or performance in your training and it just won't go away. Okay, so those are our four types. soreness? Flatness, stress, lethargic, okay? So let's talk about why they occur and what we do about them. So let's start with with flatness, okay? Flatness occurs when our muscle tension is on. What in the world does that mean? Think of it like this, okay? If uh, we have a rubber band and I stretch that rubber band and it's nice, responsive, and reactive, I let it go and it shoots when shoots forward, right? Rubber band is, is good. Now what happens if I have a rubber band that's kind of old or been stretched a lot and like maybe even has been, you know, overheated or cold or what have you. It loses that stretchiness, right? The tension is off. You pull it back and it doesn't snap forward. You pull it back and it breaks. That's the same kind of tension or the idea that we have in our muscles. When our muscle tension is optimal, we have pop. When our muscle tension gets too too kind of low, we we don't respond. That elastic quality of the muscle and tendon just are like that worn-out rubber band, right? Doesn't respond. So what causes this flatness? Generally, it's too much of stuff. And generally, it's too much of high volume or intense work for too long, okay? That causes us to get flat. So what we have to do is we have to go in the opposite direction. To create, to deal with this flatness, we have to increase our muscle tension. This often requires taking the volume of either easy stuff down or the volume of intense work down. So decreasing that load so that our muscle can come out of that. And then, in addition to that, we can use small to big changes to kind of get some pop back in the legs. So let's go through this, and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go um, from smallest to largest. Okay, so for example, if we're looking from a running standpoint, doing some fast strides will increase that tension. Why? They're nice, reactive, responsive. We're putting force into the ground, but really quickly. Okay, you increase that tension. We can do things like jumping rope for a short period of time. Why? Reactive, responsive, get our muscles kind of primed and and going. We can do plyos. I love starting off, especially if you're kind of really flat, starting off with plyos in the pool. What are plyos? Just think of hops, skips, jumps, things that are are very reactive. And then going from the pool to, you know, on ground. Why do I start in the pool? Because often what happens is that Decreases that eccentric load because, like, the pool takes away some of that load because, like, gravity. You know, or our movement is kind of slowed down, so the 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 load isn't as high in terms of fatigue. But plyos tend to work. We can do things like reactive hops or quick quick feet or quick steps or drop. Uh, drop jumps where you drop from a slightly elevated box and try and, and try and react really quickly. Bigger changes. If you're really feeling kind of flat or doing some sort of, you know, what I'd call, um, cut down workout or sprints with lots of rest. It includes power exercises. So box jumps, bounds, you know, some weighted power exercises. Why? Because you're trying to remind your your body, your muscles, how to contract really quickly and then not be fatigued. So it's important during these power exercises or sprints um, that you take really long rest. You're not trying to create fatigue. One of my, my big uh, indicators or, or dealings with this that I like to use is sprinting up a hill. Again, sprints. So six to eight seconds, not very long. Near max, but full recovery. Just do again, four to eight reps total of that. If you're used to sprinting, if you're not, don't start with sprinting. Do the other things first. Um, why does this help? Because it gets us back in our muscles back in that reactive, responsive, changing that muscle tension. So we increase that muscle tension. So we get out of that kind of flatness, uh, phase. Okay. So again, the way I think like to think of it is reactive, quick, no fatigue. Your goal isn't to create fatigue. Okay, it people ask me, well, if I feel flat, what if I just rest? Sometimes rest rest helps, but often not as much as you think. Rest will take away some of the other things around flatness. But what we really need is to remind that your body how to kind of respond and, and react really well. Okay, let's go into the next one. Soreness. We feel that 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 soreness, that pain, that oh, uh, that dull kind of feeling in our legs. What do we do here? So a a couple different things. First, I'm a big believer in getting in the pool. Why? Have you ever seen those like Normatec things that apply pressure up your legs and don't you know, uh, have that gradient pressure to kind of get blood flow going. Well, the pool, standing in the pool does that itself because of the hydrostatic pressure, right? What happens, hydrostatic pressure pushes that blood flow up and gets that blood flow going, okay? So get in the pool. In addition to standing, what I love to do is just easy drills in the pool. So some leg swings, some skips, some butt kicks, some running in place or jogging in the pool, some cycling of the leg. If you do that really well, it will help alleviate that soreness, mostly because we get that blood flow going and we get movement back in the legs in a non-damaging way. If you looked at um, Ashton Eaton's coach, the famed decathlete, his coach, between days of the decathlon, one of the most stressful events and damaging events you could do, two days of five events each, just going to the well, what did they do? They got in the pool and kicked around. So go splash around. Other things that are really important, nutrition. So carbs, post-workout, restore those glycogen stores, really important for recovery. And then protein. Protein after workouts, incredibly important. But if you feel this soreness, what also helps is two things. One is before sleep, having about between 25 and 40 grams, uh, between 30 minutes and an hour before you go to bed. Why? It increases protein synthesis overnight, both muscular and, and mitochondrial. There's some good research on this. So why is that important? Because protein synthesis in the muscles, how we kind of repair, adapt and grow. So if we can elevate that, we're, inc- we're improving that process. So I hit a protein before sleep, 30 to 60 minutes. Again, roughly 25 to 40 grams. The research shows. That'll increase that protein synthesis overnight. The other thing that research shows is that it's not just about our total protein intake during the day. It's about how that is sliced and diced apart throughout the day. So, for example, there was a recent study that looked at protein synthesis and recovery in strength training athletes. And when their protein hits were spread throughout the day, they recovered better and adapted better than when, let's say, they had just a ton of protein at at dinner, but none at lunch, okay? So the way I like to frame it is, think of it as we want hits of protein spread throughout the day. So if you're dealing with soreness, five plus hits of protein spread throughout, aiming for 10 to 15 grams plus each. Why? Those hits elevate protein synthesis. Other things that really make a difference Sleep, why? It's when that protein synthesis happens. It's also when testosterone and HGH are at its highest. So increase your sleep, okay, overnight, and then also naps. Longer naps are actually better in this case uh, for restorative of the damage and soreness, but short naps work as well. Massage often helps. You know, there's not a lot of data on massage, but one thing it does make is it feel makes people feel better. And also loosens up the muscles and often makes the soreness decrease. There is some day dog. So massage, if it helps, like do it. Ice baths, there's not a lot of good data that shows that they help. But that being said, if it makes you feel better, then it's worth doing. All I would say is on ice baths is don't overdo it on the soreness. Or don't overdo it on ice baths because if you do it after Every workout or many workouts or when you're trying to adapt, it can impair adaptation. Okay. So it can impair what's going on. Things like muscle stem, like there's some data that shows that the, you can use it on the calf to create this kind of calf pump reflex where we pump the muscle, the, the, the blood flow up and can help. Um, other things, another thing that can help is actually. For isolated soreness, a short isometric hold. So what is isometric means? You're just holding, you're tensing the muscle, right? Against something, like pushing, and there's no movement. The reason this can happen if you do like four to five, 10 to 20 second holds is it changes the perception of the soreness. It changes the kind of pain receptors so that it doesn't feel as sore. So it's a good way to treat that symptom if that's kind of getting in the way. All right, so let's move to the the kind of fatigue states, okay? First, let's start with stress. The key to managing stress is all about that transition. Like what happens, the reason stress impairs our recovery is because it lingers. It's not that cortisol, which is one of our primary stress hormones, is bad. It's that it lingers, and if it lingers for a really long time, it impairs our recovery and our adaptation. So our goal is to feel that stress during the workout or right after, but then transition out of that, out of that stressed and protect mode into that kind of adapt and grow or transition from a catabolic to anabolic state. So what are the keys here? We'll go back to our old friend sleep. Sleep is huge when you're in these stress states. So sleep at night, sleep during the day. This time again, naps, even short naps often work better here um, because it doesn't create that sleep inertia that longer naps often do. So short naps, even just closing your eyes for a few minutes can help here. Uh, things like taking a warm bath can decrease cortisol, okay? They relax you, right? Moms know this. Take a warm bath after a hard day, relaxes, bring that cortisol down, makes you feel good. Eating quality food and meals, like nutrition, plays a big role here. OK, quality nutrition that you enjoy makes a big difference. If you feel like you're, you know, restricting your eating and it's causing stress, that's not going to help. So do quality stuff that that matters. One of the bigger things is what I would call social recovery. So talking to friends and sp- family, spending t- time with others you enjoy. Whenever we socialize, oxytocin is released. Oxytocin kind of counteracts some of these stress hormones. It takes us from that stress state to what psychologists call a tendon-befriend state, right? Socialize. It shifts our stress response. Other things that really help from a social standpoint? Go outside. Enjoy nature. Go for a short walk. Allow your mind to wander while you're doing. It shifts that stress response. Nature is like a recovery mechanism. There's some research that shows that like nature changes our gaze. It softens our gaze, which takes us out of stress states because like, you know, looking at trees and nature and grass and all that stuff tends to kind of bring us back to, you know, our old ways. Well, being in kind of an indoor office area has more of a harsh, uh, you know, state not explaining this well, but harsh state and causes to have hard gazes, which keeps us stressed. So go outside. Do green exercise, right? Get outside and go for walks or runs. Change it up. Go to a new park. That all helps. Um, And then the, the other things, you know, light exercise works. When you're stressed, don't do hard stuff, but easy stuff or or moderate work you enjoy. Make it fun. And then other things that allow you to kind of turn off. Read, music, meditation. If that, that is stress, is stress relieving. Or if it's stress inducing, don't do that. Um, time spent reflecting and processing, journaling, creative hobbies, whatever that is. What not to do? Don't just veg out completely. Don't get on your phone and scroll mindlessly. That might feel like it re- relieves the stress, but it's temporary not long-lasting. Over the long haul, it it increases stress load. And then the last one we have is this lethargic profile. So here I think the first one is talk to your, your physician or your medical professional. Why? Because often lethargic profile means that there's something else that is long-term going on. Not always, but consider blood work. So check for cortisol, stress hormones. Ferritin, that's the best marker for uh, iron stores. Often lethargic means you have, you know, short-term anemia or something like that. You can fix that. Look at thyroid hormones, which, you know, again, play a role in our metabolic health, but also if they're severely off, play a role in stress, okay? You can even look at things like testosterone. Drops in testosterone are associated with high levels of training and fatigue. If you pound the training, like testosterone levels come down. Vitamin D, B vitamins. You can look at immune system markers. Talk to your doctor and get just get a a blood profile when you're looking at this. When you're feeling lethargic, that sleep and that protein before bed comes into play a lot. Nutrition, increasing the quality of food and often the quantity. Sometimes when we're in this lethargic state, it's because we're undernourished. We're not giving our body enough to repair. So we kind of, our body goes into this kind of protective state where it's like, okay, we don't have enough calories. So we'll just feel really poor. Okay. We can look at again, nutrition, high quality, a high quality food, real food. Um, you can look at probiotics and stuff for gut bacteria and all that, that stuff. There's not a lot of data in there, but there is some that probiotics can help with recovery influencing the gut microbiome. So it's worth a shot or worth looking at. It's a low cost thing. From a workout standpoint, when we look at, um, feeling lethargic, what you do is just shorten everything, go easy. So start with easy runs, but sometimes you need a little bit of spice of intense, intensity to kind of get you out of things. And what I would call it is intensity without fatigue. So this isn't hard. This is adding strides or surges or, you know, something that that makes you feel good and fast and, you know, happy doing it, lifting a little bit heavier for a couple reps, but not so much that you get tired or fatigued. The other thing to consider is to split your workouts into shorter segments. So instead of doing an hour or 90 minutes in the morning as your one session, do 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes in the afternoon. Why? Because research shows that like when we exercise, even aerobic exercise, we get a hit of HGH and some other recovery hormones. So if we do frequent, more frequent, but not as high load, it can sometimes get us out of this lethargic state. Okay. So add small spices of, of, of work as well. And beyond that, I think it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, the lethargic is like kind of getting to the bottom of why you are in this chronic state. Sometimes it can be something medical. Sometimes it can be overtraining and you need to get out of that. Sometimes it could be something else. So, there you go. Those are the four styles or profiles of recovery again. Sometimes you have multiple of them, and that's okay. Choose multiple things from each, But what this gives us an idea is how to ta- attack the actual problem of recovery instead of saying, "Oh, i'm tired, I'm fatigued. I need a recovery," and just jumble it all together. Now there's overlap, as we said, sleep, nutrition, etc, that help. But hopefully this gives you some guidance for how you're feeling to help you kind of get back to feeling normal. So there you go. There's the Steve Solo podcast on recovery. I hope you found it enjoyable and valuable. If you like this sort of information, follow along. Maybe share it with a friend who was kind of in that rut of overtraining or not recovering and needs some help. Share it with them always helps the podcast and if you haven't yet check out brad's new book master of change and check out our newsletter on the growth equation we appreciate you listening and until next time everybody take care and best of luck in everything that you're doing